Locked on. Locked on. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. Joining me today, as always, is Landon McCool. You can check him out on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? It's uh, September 1st, which to me is it's fall, right? We finally oh, yeah, we fall. finally have reached fall or at least you know the, the the end of summer is dying. We I was able to keep my window open a little bit this morning <laughs> and, and actually enjoy a little bit of cool air. Uh, and you know fall is my favorite season even though this is you know very odd situation that we're yeah. living in. Fall is is you know the best football season it's it's Halloween it's it's just a lot of great things. So uh, it's it's kind of snuck snuck up on us because we've all been trapped in the uh, summer from hell forever, but uh, but you know now we're actually we're actually talking about Cowboys restricting access to practice, and that means that the regular season <laughs> is here, and you know what I'm saying, like, or, or maybe sure. it doesn't, or maybe it doesn't moving forward. Maybe that's just the way things are, but but yeah. I, I, I it does feel like suddenly. You know, after kind of just being trapped in an endless, you know, weeks and weeks of of summer and nothing kind of moving, maybe there's some traction on a, on football season starting. Maybe things are start the ice is starting to break a little bit. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to see how, you know how things are going to roll out these next few weeks. Yeah, I'm really excited to get into September. It's my favorite month of the year as well. You know, just getting all this football stuff thrown at us at one time. It's going to be great. But before we we talk about the rest of September, I want to go back to August really quickly, Landon. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners. August was the most listened to month of the Locked On Cowboys podcast in our history of this show. Uh, And there wasn't even a a single football game played, and you guys (laughs) continued to, to listen to us. So thank you so much. Uh, we're really excited about some of the content that we have coming, uh, you know, up in the next couple of weeks and the months. Uh, it's going to be a, a great football season. Um, so let's go ahead and get into the final practice that the media was available to Landon on. Uh, I believe it was Monday afternoon. Um, I want to start with this. There's no better way to kick off the month than to start talking about running backs. Uh, let's let's talk about Tony Pollard because um, according to David Hellman. Yesterday, Pollard had three touchdowns in team period, uh, uh, several long runs. And, you know, we talk about drum beats all the time, whether it's Cedric Wilson or CeeDee Lamb or Dalton Schultz. Um, But one that we actually haven't talked about enough is Tony Pollard and how well he's played over the last couple weeks. Um, I sent you a DM yesterday just asking this simple question. I I don't think Pollard is a better player than Zeke. But is it possible he's a better fit in this Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore offense than Zeke? And, you know, my response to you was that I I think, let's see. You know, I I don't, I tend to think that the the running backs are probably in the order that they should be. I, I also tend to think that this should be a committee situation. You know, not because Zeke needs another running back, uh, to you know, supplement him, or that he needs sure, to change the pace. Sure. I, I just think, first of all, you have a super talented guy as your, you know, 
second running back or B, run, running back yeah, 1A or 1B. It's that Pollard deserves it, Sure, right? That's absolutely, what it is. absolutely. And, and on top of that, I, I think that, you know, it's a good thing if you give Pollard a steady diet throughout the season, then I think it's much more likely by the end of the season you're still getting similar levels of production from both backs. And maybe if mm-hmm. you're not, you could start, you know, tinkering a little bit more with the, the mix between the two. Um, but I think, you know, the one thing I wanted to bring up in this conversation that I think we need to remember the differences between training camp and real football, right? And I think that, you know, one of the, there's two things that I want to bring up when talking about the Pollard versus Zeke situation. One is pass protection. I think pass protection is something that a lot of people generally don't kind of understand or, or care to study or, or, or whatever. But I think that it's 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 a thing that coaches and, and, and you know offensive coordinators think a lot about, defense coordinators think a lot about um, because you know it's kind of the the basis for everything, right? Like you you you, de- you design yeah. your protections around the routes that you're that you're putting out onto the field, and those two things are married together extremely closely. So if you care about route concepts and how they fit together, then you 100% need to care about uh, uh, protections and how they fit with the route combinations. And 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 why I'm bringing Zeke into this is that. If you're going to be playing more spread out football, if you're going to be playing more wide receivers on the field, uh, if you're going to be putting more players out into route, then you need to have a good protection plan. And uh, you know, it, it, it kind of also ties into this conversation of you know what is what do the Cowboys do if Tyron inevitably misses two or three games this year? I, I think the the answer is a lot of people are trying to provide is they need a better backup tackle. They need a better, better backup swing tackle. You know, look what happened when, you know, in 20, was it 2017 when, yeah, yeah, against Atlanta and, and, and they're missing the point that, you know, it, it wasn't just about getting a a left tackle. Who's good enough there. You're not going to, this is the NFL. You're not going to find a left tackle who is no. comparable to Tyron Smith. And if you find a left tackle who you can still do the same things that you could do with Tyron Smith, then, then why are we why do we have Tyron Smith? You know, like I mean it's yeah, I, I think sure. you if, if that was so easy, then you you would do it that way, but that's not how it works. The the way it works is that you need to compensate for the number of people that you're putting out in route by either having better people in protection and go less like five man protections where it's just your offensive lineman or you need to compensate overcompensate for the lack of talent on against one of those offensive line spots and either put in a tight end or have a running back like Ezekiel Elliott who is probably one of the best pass protectors in all of football who can make that situation right and I think that now that we've kind of come into a situation where we're looking to have more wide receivers out and route you know look we love Jarwin to death but Jarwin is not going to be a killer in, in pass protection and is not going to yeah be, he's a zero as a block and, 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 and he certainly isn't someone that you're going to want to put out there to necessarily no. regularly help a, an offensive tackle because a he's no. not good at it b it's a waste of his talent right so sure i, I think that's why you're gonna see uh you know if if an offensive tackle goes down you'll probably see a lot more dalton schultz you'll probably see a lot more zeke staying in to uh be a personal protector in pass protection situations uh and this is all a very long-winded way of saying 
that I think that Zeke's pass protection is one of two things that's really going to help, you know, that, that's going to keep him on the field over Pollard. And I think the other big thing that we're missing here that is not being shown in training camp is I, I think that Tony Pollard's yards after contact uh, stats are, um, are, are, are kind of inaccurate. I, I think if you watch him as a player, there are lots of times when he gets touched and keeps going, but he is not a guy that's running through tackles. You know what I'm saying? Like he, yeah, if, that's fair. If, that's fair. If he had Absolutely. a weakness to his game, right? Like I would say, he's not breaking head on tackles. He's not. You know what I'm saying? If he gets hit, he's probably going down. The thing is that he usually has such great angles and such great speed that it takes a while before anyone gets lines them up and gives them a good shot. So I think in the sense of having a, an every down guy that can come in and, and keep the offense versatile, keep the, keep the defense guessing as to what's happening based on just who's on the field. I think that Ezekiel Elliott still is, is the, uh, the, the kind of better, more well-rounded uh, back for this offense but that isn't to say that I don't think that we should be we shouldn't be giving Pollard more and more touches, you know, at the expense of Zeke. I do think that that you know I'm I'm more than okay saying hey let's give Zeke some of Zeke's snaps to Pollard. I, I'm just not anywhere ready to say let's flip the percentages and make Pollard the starter here. You know I think that's sure. where I'm at with this. Sure. Yeah. So let me make the case really quickly for Tony Pollard and why I think. Why I think he deserves a bigger role, right? I, I just think, you know, if you look at the numbers last year, and again, the sample size is relatively small for Tony Pollard, and that's why we have to take a, this with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, but in five against five and six-man boxes, Tony Pollard wasn't only the better running back than Ezekiel Elliott. He was one of the best running backs in the league, and it makes sense, right? If there's only six guys in the box, typically four down linemen and two linebackers, um, if he can make one of those linebackers miss, and he proved that he has the ability to do that and run past a lot of those linebackers, you can get a lot of big chunk plays. Um, we've seen with a, a bunch of these teams, but I can think of like the 49ers, for example, uh, they care way more about speed than the ability to run between the tackles because they're going to get into situations against lighter boxes where speed is the ultimate equalizer. If you can get these guys into space and they can make one guy miss, uh, it's off to the races. So McCarthy has talked about uh, wanting to be a chunk play offense, an explosive offense. I think Pollard gives you more of that. Zeke is undoubtedly the better pass protector. I think he's probably even the better, you know, receiver. Uh, he's the better in between the tackles runner. And if you need him to play, you know, if you need two yards on third and one, uh, he can get you that. Um, but if you're going to be in eleven personnel, in you're, if you're going to be in eleven personnel a lot, and you're going to see big running lanes. I just wouldn't mind seeing Tony Pollard get more work than what we saw over the last couple of years. Again, not a not a full time role for Pollard, but can you make the case that he, you know, maybe Zeke should get eighteen touches a game and Pollard should get twelve? Like, does does that make sense to you, Landon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you and I are saying the same thing. You know, I, yeah, I, I think absolutely. You know, I think uh, I, I don't know those exact proportions, but I'm certainly not against that. No, and I, and I think that that's. 
you know, that's kind of where we should be trending. Not quite a 50-50 split, but, you know, just a, a you know, 60-40, 65-35 split, right? Where, where Pollard's... It, it, I was going to say, are you opposed, are you even opposed to, let's say it's Pollard gets really hot in the first half of a game. Are you opposed to just saying, hey, he's he's the better fit in this matchup. Let's just ride Pollard for the second half. Is that something you're opposed to? No, I mean, to? I, I, I think, look, I, I think... Whatever's best for the team, I, I'm I'm for, and I and I think that they shouldn't necessarily be beholden to, uh, you know, a, a percentage or a snap count. I yeah, you know, I think you, you you see you put Zeke out there and see how he runs with the system. You give uh, Pollard his his you know every third series reps, you know, and then you see mm-hmm. how they're all running, and then you know make adjustments accordingly. And I yeah, I just think you just keep it really fluid, and you know, and again, I also think that it's not going to be. You know, we're talking very generally in a very Jason Garrett kind of way, where you know it's this is the way it's going to be, and it'll be that way for 16 games unless the injury dictates otherwise. Yeah. I don't think that that's how it's going to be. I think you know, depending on the game script, depending on who you're playing, that's going to also have a, a strong effect on the uh, percentages of of of, of distribu- distribution of car- carries between these two players. Absolutely. Um, let's take a quick break so I can tell you guys about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar out there. It's hard to even explain it. Uh, it's a real chocolate with amazing flavors and a great combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar with no crazy additives. Best of all, they taste absolutely fantastic. And they've released six new flavors, including caramel brownie, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way, cookies and cream, and apple almond crisp. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you get $10 off any order. Not just your first box, but any order. Go to BuiltBar.com and right now, while supplies last, you get a free cooler with an order of a new box. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Okay, Landon, a couple other notes from practice that I want to talk about. Um, and this re- involves two of their receivers. Let's start with Amari Cooper because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are starting to get concerned about Cooper because he hasn't participated uh, in the 11-on-11 drills in the last three practices. Now, he has been on the sideline. He has worked with the individuals uh, in, in the individual drills. This is nothing to be concerned about, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, look, just peeking behind the curtain a little bit as – a daily count, a content Cowboys content creator. Sunday's lack of a scrimmage really left a huge hole in I think everybody's content schedules, right? So of course they got to write about mm-hmm. something. And, and listen, I, I I get it. Like you know, there's you're looking for any kind of thing. To me, this is just not a thing. You know, they they no, you know, if, if no. they have they have they have uh, Cooper on the sideline he's doing he's doing individual drills he's just not in, uh, participating in team they wouldn't have him out there standing on the sidelines you know doing nothing if he was injured or, or you know or if they was working through something they'd have him on the cords you know they'd have him uh, they, they'd have him out in the the training room what instead what the what, what's going on here I think is look everyone's talked about it but no one's talked about how the results affect it and, and that's the kind of analytic tracking with these RFID uh, uh, you know uh, trackers that, that kind of gives them sure, all kinds yeah. of information on on what they're running and and, and what you know, how many how how far they're running and how often and exactly all the very detailed information exactly 
uh, you know, exactly what types of routes they're, they're running and, and how often. So I think that they're paying very close attention to that. They, they know how much he's running, and, and they're basically kind of, you know, pulling it back a little bit because Cooper is Cooper. You know, it's like they know what they have in this guy. They don't necessarily, especially in a yeah. shortened training camp session, they don't need to see him go out and run all the different routes 20 different times. They've seen him do that before. If anything, they need to see the guys a little bit further down on the roster because they have less time to view those guys, and they are going to need those guys. Like, unlike a lot of these other positions, like, you know, maybe offensive line or, or you know, even some of these, like, linebacker spots – where the the very end of the roster, you know, may not immediately see the, the the see play or may not rotate into the game unless there's injury. Wide receiver, like even if all three of your starters are healthy, your wide receiver four and five are likely going to get on the field at some point just during the regular course of a game. So it's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I just think that they needed to see those guys in a in a in a more extended situation. Uh, and you know, and if if they could get Cooper a little bit more rest and get him, make sure that he's you know not worn out by the time the season starts, uh, you know, kill two birds with one stone. I'm not worried about it at all. I'm not it's, either. It's yeah. just it's a it's a veteran maintenance thing to make sure that Amari Cooper, who has been banged up in the past, is 100 percent healthy week one when he's going against Jalen Ramsey on every single snap. So. Don't read into any of this at all. Yeah. I do want to talk about another receiver, Landon, uh, Michael Gallup. Uh, David Hellman from DallasCowboys.com was asked who was, has been the most impressive player at camp. Uh, he said Zach Martin, uh, but the other name that he brought up was Michael Gallup, and that shouldn't be surprising to anybody because of how talented he is as well. Uh, not only has he been out there every single day at practice, uh, we talk all the time about how the third year of a receiver's career is typically the year uh, they break out and become what they eventually uh, just are in the NFL. Uh, that's especially true for junior college guys who, um, you know, you know, Gallup was one of those. Went to a junior college, went to Colorado, uh, you know, Colorado State, excuse me, and then has to uh, get used to the speed of the NFL. Super productive last year. Now he's entering that critical year three. Uh, it's not surprising to me at all that he's performing this way in camp. We saw a beautiful uh, one-handed catch in the red zone yesterday. Uh, what are our expectations this year for Michael Gallup in year three? I mean, you know, it's it's tough because it's like the quietest 1,100-yard receiver I think I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. And, and you know, you, you have Cooper coming back. You added the hype and, and Lamb. It's just a guy that is – under the radar ready to really have a big year and um you know i have a very i think he's gonna have a a really big year i mean i i i just think about playing it out of my head you know all it's gonna take is lamb having one or two one really one really big game early Mm -hmm. in the season and teams are going to completely start focusing their their coverage on cooper and lamb and they're going to force michael gallup to beat us beat them I mean, I think he's going to be up for the task, you know. And I, and again, I also think that this could be a big part of why they have taken Cooper out of these practices and, and sometimes Lamb is, sure, yeah. you know, Gallup needs to learn and, and learn the skill set to be able to carry this offense as the number one wide receiver. Because, they're, you know, this is still the NFL. 
as good as Cooper and Lamb are, there are ways for offense for defenses to try to keep them out of the game and 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 to you know shut them out of the passing uh, options. Yeah. You know, so there is something to the idea that Gallup in those moments needs to take that next step and take over the game by himself and be able to kind of carry the passing or at least be the main focus of the passing game while there's so much attention being put elsewhere on on the uh the other receivers uh so i i think yes i i, I it's not surprising because i i mean of all the things that you that you mentioned the the timeline of him being a juco player the this being the third year uh you know him having a, a fantastic year last year and i think you know really kind of even his 1100 yard season came with an incredibly large number of drops uh, that I think yep. he can he yes. can improve upon very easily and and, and just really uh, improve upon that and be a more efficient receiver and be uh, a, a you know better not only just efficient wise but actually a better player on the field uh, a year later. So um, yeah, I think that he has shown. Uh, in a way, and I think the other thing too that to keep in mind is you mentioned the drum beat. The, the part of the drum beat is being there every day, and and I think that yeah, you know when yeah. when Lamb and Cooper have been getting rest here and there, Dallas been out there every single day making plays. So um, I, I I think that that's obviously incredibly encouraging for the Cowboys because they're going to need Gallup. You know, I I think that that people forget because there's three of them that that you that you don't need that you need all three. You know, to really to to really thrive if you're going to have the kind of offense that's going to carry you to the Super Bowl, uh, so they need a guy like Michael Gallup to have huge training camp and show that he can be the guy to carry an offense if there's going to be a lot of attention put on you know the two maybe more flashy names in Cooper and Lamb. Yeah, two things I'll add really quickly here about Gallup. So last year. I think the Cowboys still thought of Gallup as an inconsistent receiver, and he was. I mean, uh, pro football, excuse me, player profiler has a, a stat on drops and how many lost yards a receiver lost to drops. Uh, first of all, Gallup led the league in drops with 11. They estimate that he lost nearly 400 receiving Jeez. yards on drops alone last year. So, I mean, think if he just had half that drops and now you're looking at somebody with 1300 yards and eight or nine touchdowns on drops i think we're even viewing gallop in a totally different way that we are right now i also think because he was so inconsistent they had to force amari cooper back onto the field despite not being healthy right i think the new england game was a great example if if gallop was playing at a more consistent level they probably don't feel like they have to put a 50% 50% Amari Cooper on the field. They probably feel good enough that they can run their offense through Michael Gallup. I don't think that was the case last year. So having Gallup become more consistent, having him cut back on some of those drops, if he can work on the route running a little bit, he was 89th in the league in target separation. So he just doesn't create a lot of separation. If he can improve in that area, uh, I think this is somebody who has a 13, 1,400-yard ceiling in this offense, even with Amari Cooper uh, and CeeDee Lamb. So a big, big year coming from Michael Gallup. I think we, we both expect that. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk more about some camp notes from Monday. Okay, Lane, and this one comes from Kyle Yeomans of DallasCowboys.com. Uh, talking about Tristan Hill uh, beating hit, beating Zach Martin in the run game twice. Uh, this is something that we were uh, being pretty excited about over the last couple of days. Um what are your thoughts on Tristan Hill beating maybe the best guard in all of football? 
I did a hand uh, hand rubbing noise, you know, like yeah. the bird band. And I, it, as I was hearing it, I was like, oh, that's not what that sounds like. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, either way, I think the, the analogy works for how excited I am. Uh, I, I think that, you know, it's... Well, so, you know, Tony, a friend of mine on Twitter, at uh, uh, No Huddle, uh, <laughs> added me right after I, I got excited about that. And he's like... Well, you know, the last time we saw a kind of lesser-known defensive tackle beating an all-pro interior offensive lineman, it was not the sign of something good starting, uh, referring to <laughs> Antoine oh, Woods no. and Travis Frederick's uh, yeah. Guillaume Bars. Yeah. So I, I told him to shut up. And uh, But he was like, <laughs> I don't, first of all, I don't believe it's that. I, I honestly, you know, you want to talk about drum beats. Tristan Hill has been one of these guys that we've, we've, we've been talking about this whole time. Um, and, and, and it hasn't always been from necessarily uh, practice reports because I think that you know sometimes it's hard for them to see that stuff and, and, and recognize what's actually happening when there's not you know full speed football happening. But I just think that if you you know it started with just seeing what he looked like coming into camp. He's a completely yeah, different yeah. player. Uh, just to physically, you know, remade his body a lot bigger and solid, and 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 while maintaining a lot of that athleticism, those are all very good things. I think you know we talked a little bit about you know, seeing some clips of him moving extremely well. Um, it, it's just it's you know he he's shown us a little bit that, that and let's again let's remember the kind of athlete that we drafted. You know, he was a very young player, extremely explosive for his size. You know, the the, the athletic traits were there. That wasn't yeah. ever the issue. It was always about Never. getting consistency, about him getting his head right, about, you know. And again, 21 years old. Like, I mean, extremely young. Still two years younger than our defensive tackle draft pick this year. So... Uh, I think that you know he really took that offseason seriously. It seems like um, just by you know what you can see from the, the how his body has changed, uh, and I think that this the Gerald McCoy injury obviously being terrible, but obviously also providing him with a great amount of opportunity to get extra reps to work hard uh, and, and kind of continue to improve there. And, and I think that you know. It sounds like maybe a change of coaching staff is has been a good thing for him. We all had a level of assumption that, at least I did, that you know he has had this relationship with Marinelli and Marinelli is no longer here, and 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 that you know what is that going to look like? Is that going to be detrimental to his development? And it sounds like, if anything, that maybe you know he uh, is is embracing the change it. in coaching yeah. staff, and and that it's it's actually I mean not that you know Tom Sula is not a fantastic defensive line coach to work with, but it's just you know it's yeah. sometimes you just never know with personalities and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I think that what we've got is a guy that hopefully is kind of coming into his own. He's being thrown into the deep end to be sure, because uh, you know with, with with McCoy. But I think you get a guy who can provide some supplemental rotation at the three technique with Tyrone Crawford uh, and and maybe you know maybe maybe hope against hope by the end of the season uh, a guy that can handle the job on his own because he's gotten so you know he's developed so much that you don't want to take him off the field uh, and right. then suddenly you can kind of ease Tyrone Crawford into a, another spot on the offense, defensive line where he you can find a, a place to fit him in but uh, yeah I've got you know I think a lot of us kind of rode off Tristan Hill because of the of the situation sure. I, I'm hoping and it seems like he has that he's focused all of that into 
you know, all that negative negativity around his rookie season into uh, an offseason that has produced uh, a guy who, you know, look, Zach Martin doesn't just give up. <laughs> you know, like, he, he, like it's, it's, nope. he doesn't do gimmies, you know. So uh, if, nope. if, if, if Hill's performing like that, he's taking it. Uh, and I don't think that's a, uh, a comment on Zach Martin. I, I, I think that's a comment on, on the kind of camp that Tristan Hill has been having. Yeah, this has either been the most surprising uh, turnaround that we've seen from a second-year player in a long time or the greatest sell job ever by the Cowboys media trying to bump up you know, Tristan Hill's trade value before the, uh, <laughs> the, before the season starts. I, I, I think it's probably closer to he's having a great camp, but uh, uh, those shout-out to Katie Drummond. That was his take on the Cowboys wire, and I, I'm stealing it. So, um, The last note that I have here, Landon, is just a, a quick one about the Cowboys' roster construction. Um, under Mike McCarthy in the past in Green Bay, they've kept three quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, I think only two probably deserve to make it this year with Dak and Andy Dalton. Uh, but Brian Broaddus was talking about uh, the Cowboys maybe trying to keep that third quarterback in the roster because they don't want to expose someone like Ben DiNucci to waivers. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think that this year it's even more going to be even more difficult for teams to try to want to reach to take players off of other teams squads they just there's just no information on these guys no one's watching any preseason games they're, i mean they're literally getting information from uh beat writers and and frankly you know i get information from beat writers and i can tell you that it's probably a 50 50 proposition at best yeah so yeah uh yeah i i just I, what i guess i'm getting at is that i just don't see I don't see like there being a whole bunch of of, of stealing off of other people's squads. I think I think yeah. most people are gonna, especially for a seventh round. Pick, yeah, right? you yeah. Know what I mean, like I just, this isn't somebody who was like a fourth rounder who got cut. It's a seventh rounder who everybody in the league passed on. Yeah, however many times and, and you're not, never played. In and you're not getting any yeah. extra, you know, video of him at all. Like you're not no, seeing no. him even against third teamers in a preseason or even just practice. Like there's no, there's I, no information, and, and I just I have a hard time believing that NFL teams as conservative as they can be about this kind of stuff are going to go out there and risk it all to try to like you know risk a roster spot to try to get a guy that they have not seen play any football in, you know in any kind of especially a guy like him who yeah. came from a small school you know it's like I just don't see it I, I just I think and I think that it's not even just him it's a lot of these guys. I think there's a lot more safety of, of these guys all making it to our own practice squads because I yeah. think teams are just focused on what they've got. I I especially feel that way at quarterback, right? Like, yeah, okay, it's a little different. If it's a it's a special teamer, you know, wide receiver that can come in and help right away. I I don't know. I just don't see another team saying, "Hey, we have to store you know Ben DiNucci on our 53 man roster this season." It's an absolute must that we go out and get him. If that was the case, he wouldn't have fell, you know, fell to the seventh round. So, I'm not worried about it. We'll see what the Cowboys do. Maybe he decides to. Maybe the Cowboys decide to keep a third quarterback. That wouldn't be that surprising at all to me. But uh, it, it's just not going to be a big deal to me at all if the Cowboys decide to just go with two, you know, on Saturday on the initial cuts. 
That is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.